Take the usual podcast hosting companies and you'll stay in expensive wonderland. Take the podcast of Matrix hosting and you'll experience a completely different world of whole podcast library hosting. Choose wisely at podcastmatrix.com. That's podcastmatrix.com. Have you ever had the feeling of being watched? Hidden eyes following you? A cold chill crawling up your spine? The hairs on the back of your neck standing straight up? Do you know what that is? It's fear. Fear. Fear is the most basic human emotion tied into our instinct to survive. Fear gives us the means to overcome great odds or cripple us with paralyzing dread. But fear can also entertain. Turn off all the lights, lock your closet door, and ignore the sounds from beneath your bed. It's time for Two Guys Talking Horror. A film adaptation of a book especially one that's over a thousand pages, is hard to pull off. Fans of the source material want to see the story unfold like it did when they were reading the book, but most of the time what they end up with is just a watered-down facsimile. There will always be a need for changes when transferring a story from one medium to another, but how many changes have to be made before the film goes from adaptation to reimagining? Those are some of the questions we'll address as we return to the town of Derry, Maine, for this Cut the Crap movie review of It, Chapter 2. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, to another episode of Two Guys Talking Horror. This time, it's a Cut the Crap movie review on It. Chapter 2. I am your host, Nicholas J. Hearn. With me in the studio today is Sean Murphy. Sean has actually been on the show once before in one of our talk about terrifying episodes covering zombies. How you doing, Sean? Welcome back. Good. How's it going? Great. For anybody that does not know, Sean actually has another podcast that he does. It's called My Big Fat Pull List. He has a superhero guys that he goes by Smurfy on that show. Before we get too far ahead of ourselves, let's do some housekeeping. The Versus Machine. It Chapter 2, based off of part of the epic novel of Stephen King. Over at the Versus Machine podcast, they've actually done a handful of King-related reviews. Uh, There was uh, one where they took... The Shining, the book, and put it up against The Shining, the Stanley Kubrick film with Jack Nicholson. There was also an episode uh, where they took Cycle of the Werewolf and put that up against its movie adaptation, Silver Bullet. We want to make sure that any Stephen King fans out there get as much King podcasting as possible. So we'll make sure that we have links 
to those two particular podcasts in the show notes for this episode over on our website. Now that we got the housekeeping out of the way, let's dive into something that we did in the Cut the Crap movie review of It, Chapter 1. During that episode, my co-host, Mike Wilkerson, and I covered our experience with the source material and the original 1990s miniseries. Sean, what are your experiences with the book and the first film? So I never read the book. Never read the book. But I saw the miniseries when it came out on TV back in 1990. Back in 1990. So that was my first taste of it. And I was terrified. Terrified. also first grade. So... Yeah. Probably a little young to yeah. be watching it yeah. anyway. Uh, snuck it in. Don't think parents knew I was watching it, but yeah. had an older brother that watched it, so snuck in and watched it with him. And that's my first taste besides these new movies. So I'm sure that the fact that I'm wearing my Tim Curry Pennywise I can't look at it. T-shirt is, is disturbing yeah. you right now. Yep. I actually wore this during the first Cut the Crap review for the, the first movie. You got to have continuity to. Right. when representing the past. I'm not going to reiterate everything that I've experienced. I've read the book, of course. I've seen the 90s miniseries, of course. And then I've also watched the first movie, actually a couple of times. I remember back in 2017 when the first film came out, people were calling it the greatest horror movie ever made. And uh, sure, it made a shit ton of money at the box office, but uh, as I recall, it was good. It wasn't mind-blowing and of course you and i are going to get into the nuts and bolts of this new film chapter two here in a minute but first spoiler warning i i I hate to have to do this but i do not want to risk the wrath of horror fans emailing me with angry expletive deleteds that how dare you? I listened to your podcast not realizing that you were going to talk about things in the movie, even though it's called a movie review. I'm pushing it out there right now. We're going to be talking about major plot points of It Chapter 2. So if you have not seen the film, pause this podcast, head out to your local theater, and give it a watch. What is a cut-the-crap movie review? I like to keep things very simple, Sean. Movies and television, entertainment in general, can really be boiled down to three talking points. The story, the acting, and then the overall production of it all. If you keep it to those simple three things, I think doing a review is, is pretty easy. Now, for each category, there's a star rating. If it's great, it gets a full star. If it's good, adequate, eh, all right, I enjoyed myself, half a star. And if it just plain sucks, well, no star for you. Simple, to the point, let's get to the review. (laughs) Story. Now, of course, this is based off of a book and a somewhat popular 90s miniseries. But it's also been changed and updated. Modernized. Yes, modernized. Because part one was based in the late 80s. Unlike the events in the book, which were the late 50s, early 60s. And then modern day was late 80s in the book. Well, here it's we, we've, we've shifted it a bit. 
Part one was all the past, so that was the 80s. And now here we are. The movie timeline is 2017. So 27 years after the end of the first one, boom, here we are. Okay. What I don't want to end up doing during this review is trying to compare it to the events of the book and the original miniseries because I think it would do a huge disservice. Because this is, and I don't really like using that term, the reimagining but this is the reimagining of Stephen King's novel. It's not an adaptation. It's nowhere near an adaptation. Too much has been changed to say it's an adaptation. But it is a reimagining. And a damn fine reimagining. I was very apprehensive going into this movie because I did not know what to expect. I knew what the adult section of the book was like I knew what the adult section of the old miniseries was like, so I had no way of knowing how they were going to pull off this second half. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. The adult one on the TV series was a little boring. It was. It, kind it of, was. felt like kind of drawn out and like not too spectacular. Well, I, yeah, they, there was a lot of stuff from the books that they hit on, but because you're a TV miniseries in the early '90s on ABC, you really can't you know give it the double barrel treatment of the horror that is Stephen King I have always felt that some of King's larger works like this I mean this the book is over a thousand pages uh same thing with the stand I think some of his larger works could be adapted in a miniseries but in a miniseries for today like a streaming service, or at least cable. Like HBO. Uh, You could do HBO if you really wanted to, but I know more people that have access to AMC than have access to HBO. And I'm not against commercials, but I think you you can get away with a hell of a lot more nowadays than you could way back then. That's just me wanting to have an actual adaptation of the book. Again, this is not that. That being said, there is enough moments from the book that are peppered throughout this film that I have to give a round of applause to the writers for at least including. Because if you've never read the book, no skin off your nose. No big deal. You have no frame of reference. But if you've read the book and you notice it and you see it, it's like, oh, wow, they were able to incorporate that. Where... I feel the writing is concerned. There might have been a handful of times where things kind of slowed down. I, I will make mention of the psychedelic exposition scene where Mike and Bill are tripping out on Native American root. wacky root to get the vision of how it actually arrived in our world. And a version of that did, does exist in the original source material. This might be the only speed bump I had story-wise because it was kind of like blatantly, hey, get ready, you're going to have an exposition scene, but it's going to be cool because we're all going to be tripping out, man. What about you? What, what, what did you think of the writing well, for this? That scene drug out a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. you could even tell uh, McAvoy takes a drink of water. And he's like, that tasted funny. And you're right. like, oh, here we go. Like, it was spiked. And we're going to have the explanation scene of, yeah. like, how to destroy it. I, I guess they had to figure out a way to explain it somehow. Because you can't just be like, he found an old book. You have book. to have an explanation. Yeah, like, he found a book. He was reading books and was like, oh, 
It's in the encyclopedia under destroy monsters. Right. Got right. it. We, like, we have to destroy the monster, so there has to be a way to destroy, destroy the monster. monster. And I guess this way does help explain to the audience this is what they have to go through to get to and then destroy the monster. It could have, I think it could have been done a little bit better, but they, they put it right there towards the beginning of the movie within the first, I want to say half hour easily. Yeah. So, and this is like a two hour and 40 minute movie. So having that big giant exposition scene within the first half hour definitely saves not having to revisit that crap later on in the film. Because then if, you, if you're if you constantly doing an exposition scene, you're not doing your job right as a writer. Even though it was a little bit of a speed bump for me, I have to give the writing, the story for It Chapter 2, I got to give this a full star. Agreed. I would say full star because uh, it drug at the beginning, but it's kind of supposed to because like the, the kids, the kids, they're now adults, didn't really want to come back. They were all kind of nervous. So you right. had, you felt that and you're like, OK, it's kind of dragging on getting people to come here is like pulling teeth. They got to explain how to kill it. But after that, it just picked up and went. Yeah. The way that the old miniseries did it, you had a little bit more time with the adults before they flash back. Right. To their younger selves. And I was kind of expecting that for this part. But but no. we we just it's like, OK, call. You got to come home, holy crap, and you move on to the next person. And it was it was done very quickly. So, uh, again, very impressive. What would you rate the uh, sto- overall story for this? I would give it a full star. Full star. I, yeah, they did a lot of ping ponging back and forth from their kids to the adults, but it flowed. It, it really did. Like it didn't feel like it, that movie was as long as it was. Yeah, yeah. I, actually, that, yeah, very true. I did not feel like I was sitting there for almost three hours. Right. Acting. Very similar to the first movie, the It's Chapter One, I was blown away with the child actors. All of them did a great job in their roles in that film, and we get to see them again in more flashbacks in this movie. So this one really relies on your adult cast. Before this movie was even announced that you know part yeah we're doing of course we're doing a part two because they didn't know if they were going to do a part two if part one failed i can guarantee you the studio was not going to green light that'd be a sequel it was was like like, okay well you had it chapter one and they were kids and yeah we might put out a straight to dvd release later maybe just to end it but the fact that the first movie made truckloads of money well of course we're going to do a sequel and i was expecting all seven adult versions of the losers club to be Named actors. And we really only get three, like, highly recognizable names. You get James McAvoy, who plays adult Bill. You get Bill Hader, who plays adult Richie. And you get Jessica Chastain playing adult Beverly. And then the rest of them, personally speaking, I didn't recognize any of their names. I didn't recognize any of their faces from previous things I've seen. They've probably been in stuff that I've just never seen. Everybody did a stupendous job playing adult versions of those kids and the characters that they played. Not only that, though, but they actually found actors that resembled adult versions of those kids from the first movie. I would say when you're watching it, Jessica Chastain's younger version of herself, mm-hmm. I thought it was her. 
I was like, how'd they get filmed from her back in the day? Oh, they, they wow. were, I mean, they looked and acted so similar mm-hmm. that you, I would, I didn't realize. It's, and that's it's, talent. It's, yeah. And, that, oh, that shows both, the acting talent. On both sides. Yeah. You know, um, the two I think that probably I could tell were completely two different people was Richie. Younger Richie and older Richie. I don't I don't know why. I could just I feel like there's just a little bit of a difference between them. Mm. So but other than that, I mean overall, like they did a phenomenal job. So Yeah, the the acting for me, again, I, I, mean, I wasn't expecting I wasn't expecting bad acting and I didn't get it. There were there was some pathos. I was surprised by some of the performances. I was surprised that in a horror movie I was feeling other things besides dread. And, and trust me, I, I will be sleeping with a light on later on this evening. All of them. <laughs> All of them. I would like to add, too, that Bill Skarsgård did an amazing job as Pennywise. I, I, I spent a whole bunch of time talking about Bill Skarsgård's performance in the first Cut the Crap review for part one of this film series. And I feel we need to spend a little bit of time again because this time... We get more. Well, and he didn't just play creepy all the time creepy. Mm-hmm. He was like, the sad clown, no one wants to be my friend. And you kind of bought it. Yeah. And as a as, as, as an audience member, you're like, oh, crap, that girl's going to fall for it because it's really convincing. And I think he did yeah. a great job all over the spectrum as to how he had to play it. There's a huge debate between the performance of Tim Curry as Pennywise and the performance of Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise. I even talked about this in the review for part one. It's apples and oranges, it's, it's really. Super guys, right? Exactly. Because Tim Curry is playing a clown, right? He's funny, and then there's that Creepy immediate scene. switch to terrifying, right? Whereas Bill Skarsgård's portrayal is fluid. It is. It goes from being clownish to oh my god, I'm crapping my pants right now. I think it goes from terrifying because <laughs> when you first see him, you know who he is. As a fan, you're like, or as an audience member, you're like, that's it. That's Pennywise. Yeah. We're all screwed. But the people, like the actors in the film, don't know who he is, like the little kids. So they're just like, oh, it's a clown. And so mm-hmm. you're like, your emotional roller coaster going from I'm extremely terrified to oh, maybe he won't hurt her. He seems okay. Nope, I was wrong. Yeah. She's dead yeah. or he's dead. For me, though, I would have to say acting, I'm going to give this movie another full star because the acting was top-notch. What about you? I agree. Definitely a star. Full star for you as well. All right. (laughs) Overall production. Well, we're back in Derry. Not a lot has changed. Hmm. And even though the majority of the Losers Club have spread out across the country... We don't spend a lot of time delving into their lives now that they're adults. We get we get an idea of what they've done and what they've accomplished, but we do not waste any time on trying to say, yes, and then, you know, they got married and uh, they decided not to have children because of finances. And we, we don't worry about that. It's like, okay, Bill, he yes, he's a writer, and now he's adapting his book, into a film so he's on a film set so he's the one writing the script for the film set boom okay eddie eddie is a threat assessment advisor for insurance companies for insurance companies (laughs) which makes complete and total sense and when we first see adult eddie he's in a car on the phone with his wife who is played by the same actress that played his mother 
in the first film showing that Eddie basically oh, wow. married a woman just like his mom. Right. Uh, the, the whole abusive, both both physical with where Beverly's character is concerned and emotional abuse where adult Eddie is concerned were done very well without you being beaten over the head with them trying to tell you, hey, hey, see, she had an abusive father, so now she's got an abusive husband. Huh? Huh? See it? See it? No. They don't, they don't throw it in your face. It's the nuance. And the fact that the film was was done the way that it, it's done, the pacing of these scenes, it looked beautiful. I had some issues in the first movie with some of the special effects. For the majority of the movie, the special effects for the first film were great. But then there were a handful of scenes that it was it was almost like Oh, we got to get this movie done real quick. And it was like, what, what, what? That is definitely a green screen they're standing behind. You're not getting away from that. And I don't understand why they would have to be a green screen shot when you're on location outside, you know, along a river. It, it just doesn't make any sense why you would superimpose a character onto, onto that. In this film, I can't complain about the effects because they all looked spot on. What did you think about pacing and and the way things looked? Pacing was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the way things looked, really, really good. The set designs were pretty amazing. Yeah, like super realistic, super creepy to kind of set the mood. Mm-hmm. Uh, even the all the special effects, and there was a ton of CGI. In there, there was, there was a ton. The, some of it looked cartoony, but I think it was supposed to kind of look cartoony. Right. You know, like, uh, again, like spoiler, like the crazy naked lady out of the bathtub who was like nineteen feet tall. You know, she's yes. a little cartoony, but again, she's 19 feet tall. We know that doesn't really right. exist, so it's right. going to look a little cartoony. But it was all believable and also super terrifying. Well, I think it's also scarier to have a 12-foot tall, oh, yeah. elongated, oh, yeah, with the- naked, elderly woman with giant with a giant maw coming at you filled with razor-sharp teeth. That's scarier than yeah. a five foot nine elderly woman with a knife patting at you right. naked, yeah. flopping around. Right. It's just it's still disturbing, disturbing. <laughs> but it's but. not as scary as what was presented to us in the actual film. Even when they did a bunch of the dead people coming back, the zombie people, mm-hmm. yeah, I still thought it was like it made it look like okay, it's it's I, I can't say fake because it looked like zombies, so you knew they weren't real, but it's still terrifying. Yeah, you know, still like real, but you're like okay, like it's definitely Pennywise messing with somebody. There were definitely but, more times in this movie where I found myself actually frightened. Yeah, I mean, they oh, actually they got me. terrifying. Right, the first movie there was one scene that got me. Oh, there's a lot. And it was the scene in the garage with the uh, projector. The projector. Yeah, that scene got me the first time I saw it. This movie, there were multiple scenes that made me go, "Holy the, shit!" The, at the asylum. Mm. when the dude comes out from under the bed, zombified to give the other guy the knife. Ah, yes. Yeah, Henry sorry. Bowers yes. is getting... That's it, Henry Bowers. Yeah, yeah, when Henry Bowers is getting sprung from the mental asylum, uh, that was something that I think is a ding to the first film, because in the first film, we see Henry Bowers pushed down a well, and we never see him again. One would think being pushed down a well and it's a very narrow well so there was had to have been damage to him going down everybody 
and I mean everybody, everybody who saw the movie was like, well, how the hell are they bringing Henry Bowers back? He's dead. He had to have died falling down that. Well, no, he didn't die. Yeah. Yay, he, he because, because the storm drain. Right, but not ha- not having Henry Bowers in part two would have been a disservice yes. to the source material. And it's 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 nice to see that they save themselves by showing an actual scene of Henry surviving, but I kind of feel like something like that should have been in the first film. I can see that. Other than that, there's a handful of scenes that are just gripping, and we're not going to talk about all of them because if we did, this would be a four-hour podcast. But I'm going to pick one scene that I want, and I think you would agree with me. We're going to talk about one scene that absolutely knocked the both of us almost out of our chairs, and we call it the firefly scene. Oh, yeah. Oh. Little girl. Oh, the bleachers. Oh. The ble- Under the bleachers. Never go under the bleachers, kids. <laughs> never. Ever. You never go under the bleachers. Oh. Unless it's bright daylight. Yes. With adults With around. a group. Yeah. A group of people. <laughs> you never go. The Navy never- SEALs are a good option to bring with you. <laughs> So there's a so there's a little girl that's introduced at the very beginning of the film during a a scene shot at the fair, and you don't think anything of it because uh, okay well bye little girl and then she pops back in uh, later on in the film, she's at a local base uh, it's, it's a little it's league baseball game. It's a little softball it's it a okay. baseball game a little league baseball game yep. and uh, the girl's getting antsy. She doesn't want to be around. Mother is ignoring her like most parents end up doing in the town of Derry. And a firefly comes by and uh, kind of entices the girl to go down underneath the bleachers into a very dark area. If anybody's watched any of the uh, the trailers for for this film, that scene a part a very short snippet of that scene is in some of the trailers where. The light is dancing around into this dark into the darkness, and then Pennywise's hands pop out to cover the firefly, and then he slowly opens his hands underneath his face, and he's got the big smile. Hello, With the orange glow, With the orange glow. Uh-huh. So this scene plays out like I've just described. Only this girl ain't having any of it. Yeah, she's smart. She's smart. She's like, well, you're no, you're you're well, down here in the dark. Penny- Pennywise is like, I know your name. If I know your name, we're friends. And she's like, no, no, you're a no, creep. You're, a you're creep. down here in the dark. You're in the Bye-bye. dark. I'm leaving. Yeah. So he starts crying. Now, okay, you know, you got a little kid. So she turns around and goes, oh, what's, why are you crying? Right. And he pulls the whole, oh, everybody's afraid of the scary clown. And nobody likes the way my face looks. Well, this girl has a giant birthmark on her cheek. So he's manipulating her because she too has been picked on you, you you just know it she's been picked on in the past because she doesn't look like everybody else and the birthmark looks like a red balloon kind of like a big yeah, red balloon there's a couple of spots when we first saw it on screen i thought it was face paint of a red balloon hmm. i didn't realize it was a birthmark until and I she's at the fair so you kind of think right. that, oh, it, that it was a face right. paint but she still got like, it oh, you know later yeah. on in the film so it's like ah oh, it's oh, a birthmark right so he plays, Pennywise plays on the Some sympathies emotion. of this little yeah. girl. And she's like, yeah, I, I, I know how you feel. I may, they make fun of me, too, because of my cheek. And Pennywise is like, oh, well, that's an easy fix. I could just blow that right off and everything will be fine. And the, and the kid falls for it. But it's a kid. 
Yeah. Again, who's, she's who's now picked on. She's now there, there's an emotional attachment now, so she's more trusting towards the clown. He says, "All you have to do is get close enough for me to blow on your face," and she does. Yeah. And there is probably That's so creepy. It, it's it's almost as graphically disturbing as the storm drain scene in the first movie when Pennywise attacks Georgie. Yeah. But to the nth degree. Yeah. It's a, d- 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 a crank more. it up to 11. <laughs> and I know we've talked about uh, how they were able to place things that were in the book and pepper it through this film. Very similar how they did in the first one. Uh, but not an actual outright... This is how it was in the book, and uh, it's uh, adapted here in the movie just the same. It, it, you're not going to get that. There's way too much of a reimagining going on here, uh, especially with the uh, time difference, the time period difference. Yeah. But besides all that, there were uh, two kind of cameos, one from a person and one from a very famous 80s horror film. Uh, the first one is Stephen King. Right. Stephen King gets a cameo in this film, and rightly so, because when you think of a Stephen King adaptation, you automatically think, well, where's King going to show up? Because usually, he showed up. There was there was always that little character, that one, maybe a line or two that he would have. And in recent years, we haven't really gotten any of that. It was very nice to see him have his moment to shine in this film. Agreed. The other moment I want to talk about, just briefly, just want to touch upon, is the nod to John Carpenter's The Thing. Uh, there is a a moment, the losers are fighting Pennywise in a, a, a guise, in you know, another form, he's not the clown, he's something else, and the head comes off, but then that head pops out legs and turns into kind of a this head crab creature, very similar to... John Carpenter's The Thing from the 80s. And when they see it, they actually repeat the line from the original film. And the only thing that I have to say about this is that the fact that we have an homage to an 80s film in a story that is now set in modern day, it would make more sense that that homage would have shown up in chapter one of the film because it took place in the late 80s. Yeah. Uh, but that's just me nitpicking. It was very cool to see both Stephen King and a nod to a great John Carpenter film. I have to, I have to, uh, another thing I have to give the film credit for, they did up the violence. The first one was, you know, as violent as you would expect, but this one. The level of brutality from Pennywise seems to have escalated in the 27 years that he's been hibernating, waiting to come back out again. And that's something that I definitely have to give the the production of the film credit for. Directing, I, I'm sure if I watch this a couple of more times, I could really dive in and, and give you like some examples of, well, this is what they did, and maybe if they would have done this, it might have looked a little bit I've only seen this movie once. This is my first impression. We're still in shock. We are still mm-hmm. in shock. I'm actually feeling uncomfortable wearing this shirt with a giant clown face on it. Because now it's looking, looking at up it. at me. Mm-hmm. They d- The gore was definitely up. Uh, realistic gore. Yeah. Enough to scare the crap out of you. Yeah, almost. This like- was a this was a a popcorn horror movie. 
it gave you what you were expecting and, you know and what? what you wanted. You wanted of, to be scared. And kind of the flow into the writing there, like, Pennywise knows they're back. The Loser Club's back. So he's stepping up a notch. Yeah. You know, I feel like that was on purpose. Like, you even kind of knew he was doing it on purpose. Right, to right. To some extent, so. The stakes were higher. Yeah. Which isn't really the case in the original source material. It's just he shows up every 27 right. years. Right. You hurt me, but you didn't kill, kill me. Kill me, right. And I'm not worried about you guys killing me. You can change In anything. this one, it's, oh, you, you hurt me, and you've shifted the balance of the universe. So if you don't actually find a way to kill me this time around, you're all dead. Yeah. So the, st- the stakes are higher. And I appreciate... The, the fact that this is a re this is a reimagining we are not trying to adapt king's original work this is an updated reimagining that has a lot of the elements found in the book but is more accessible tone and theme wise for modern audiences and usually i have a problem with that usually it's like well if this is based off of a book then it needs to be the book i've had to learn to let that go especially with anything that's based off of a comic book yeah because i've never seen anything adapted directly from a comic book because nine times out of ten it doesn't work the uh, really the only thing that i could think adaptation wise from printed page to film that was almost 100 percent dead on sin city yeah that's probably the closest we'll ever I'd get to Wa- an actual. Watchmen was fairly close. I mean, Watchmen, but again, you know that they ending, cut a lot of stuff out. The that ending, ending had to be, ha- but it had to be changed. Yeah, because the comic Can't. book ending works in a comic, comic book, book. Yeah, but for film audiences, because you got to, re- they would have They would have laughed. So they would have. A giant octopus attack in a city. All like, of the mm-hmm. all of the comic book fans would be like, "Yeah, oh, awesome. they did yeah, it, they and did it's it. exactly right. like the book." But you got to remember when you transfer something into a visual medium, whether it be a book or a comic book, you have to think about the audience that has never read said book or read, looked at said comic book. Where that's concerned, I really hope that these two films put together, which, and I do believe that there is talk of them editing the two films together to make one giant film. Oh, that'd be cool. If that if that ends up happening, I'll definitely be buying that version as well. But I really hope that these films inspire people enough and give them enough interest to actually go back and either watch the old one, because it does have its merits, or specifically, read the book. And if you don't like reading, listen to an audiobook then. Steven Weber, uh, a fantastic actor, does a great read of the novel. And I mean, he makes you feel like Pennywise is in the room with you. And nope. it's, it's very creepy. It nope. is very creepy. I, I have to give the production for this film another full star. What yeah. about you, Sean? What do you think? Agreed. Well, I'm looking at the totals, and we voted... Exactly the same. So it looks like we, together, as a duo, we are giving It Chapter 2 three stars. That may change months from now after I've watched it a couple of times, uh, especially when when it comes to DVD, Blu-ray, and and digital, when I actually have access to where I don't have to sit in a theater and I can just pause whatever I want and run around. Uh, upon more viewings, I may change my mind. I don't think I will, though. I wasn't expecting that movie. 
I was expecting something that I, I, I'd be able to enjoy and eat some popcorn and, and maybe get a, uh, enjoy a few jump scares. But that was a really well-crafted horror film. As a matter of fact, because it's a three stars, I, I in my previous review for Chapter 1, I only gave it two stars. It only ended up accumulating two out of three stars. So that right there shows you It Chapter 2 is a better film than the first one. It's definitely more fun to go and see this film with at least a buddy. Definitely a great date movie because all the jump scares, you gotta you gotta hold oh on God. to your significant other. That's always fun because cuddling leads to spooning and spooning leads to forking. That's right. <laughs> but all of you younger listeners, fork responsibly. Until next time, I am your host, Nicholas J. Hearn. And I'm Sean Murphy. And remember, folks... Don't be afraid of the dark. Be afraid of what's in the dark. Congratulations. You've survived this episode of Two Guys Talking Horror. We hope you were entertained and informed by our program. Take what you have learned and pass it on to your family and friends. It may just save their lives someday. Have questions? comments suggestions for a future episode visit our website at twoguystalkinghorror.com click anywhere on the right hand side and fill out our short web form it's the easiest way to interact with the hosts beware of monsters creatures and all things that go bump in the night and keep telling yourself it's only a podcast. It's, it's only, only a podcast. podcast. It's only a podcast. It's, it's only, only a podcast. podcast. It's only a podcast. It's, it's only a, a podcast. podcast. You're not talking. Well, I'm waiting. I know you're waiting. Chime in because I was like, this, I feel like this is introduction stuff. I'm actually feeling uncomfortable wearing this shirt with a giant clown face on it because now it's looking, looking at up it. at me. Uh, but he is looking at me. He is. I know. Oh. Oh. <laughs> it's creepy, ain't it? At least not looking at me. <laughs> and I'm Sean Murphy. That sounds weird saying it like that. It does. I've never said my full name before. We'll try, try it, it again. again. Right. Stay away from the bleachers. <laughs> <laughs>